Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Episode 313, Runaways, Season 2, Episode 7, 8, 9, and 10, Last Rites, Past Life, Big Shot, and Hostile Takeover. Hello and welcome to another episode of Welcome to Level 7. I'm Ben, Ben Avery. This is a podcast about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's been a while since we've done an episode for multiple reasons. We'll talk about that in a minute. But for now, I want to make sure you guys know that I'm not alone here. I am here with my friend and yours uh, sitting right across from me, right over there, uh, across straight state lines and across uh, Great Lake. Um, <laughs> wow, that's it's, a, it's a, a big lake, though. It is. It is. And you're across lengthwise from me like you're the longest possible uh yeah. portion of the lake you're you're there but, yeah uh but that's that's Stuart, agent Stu. how you doing hey, hey we're, we're doing this again i'm happy yeah yeah you say again it's actually because uh the topics we're going to talk about right now we've already recorded about um yeah. we recorded a single episode about last rights we recorded a single episode about past life one of them uh last rights the Audio was unusable and uh, just with a, a bunch of other things that kind of conspired against us. Life. Let's just call it that. Well, let's call it that. I mean, it, it really is like every portion of life from from work to family to health um, to technical issues. And uh, we've just not had the opportunity to come back to it. And coming back to it now, we decided can't use last rights past life they're both like way out of date kind of and we also decided you know what let's uh, readjust how we focus on these episodes for these shows that we haven't covered yet which is runaways season two and three uh and then the uh netflix stuff post defenders and this is how we're going to do it we did this with luke cage and we're going to do it with these episodes and just give it a try see how it works for us again so we are talking about four episodes in in this episode about runaways so that is last rights past life big shot and hostile takeover which actually makes a nice little bundle yeah it's a there's a good little arc in those four yeah. that we were batting this around offline. And, and the reason we chose this is because there is a good little arc in there that you can pull a lot of stuff out. And then it also leads into the next chunk of episodes. Remember when we used to do pods of episodes for that one series of agents of shield? That was fun. Yeah. yeah. That's what this reminds me of. Yeah. And so we've got this and then we'll do the final three episodes. We'll, and that'll finish up season two of runaways. And then we will bundle up the, uh, the other stuff in, in a similar way with, uh, three, four episodes, uh, maybe two, I don't know. Uh, then we've got movies coming up, of course, with uh, black widow, which will definitely get its own episode. And, and then once we get back into a regular rhythm with, like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, the final season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., that will be episode by episode. And yeah. Disney+, Plus, uh, which if they release things the way they did with Mandalorian, it will be um, episode by episode. If they drop all six episodes of, I think it was six episodes they were talking about for uh, 
Falcon and Winter Soldier, but let's just say it's six. If they drop all six in one day, then I think we will probably just split it into two, do three episodes and three episodes. But if they're doing it weekly release, then we're going to follow along with that. I don't just spitballing here. I don't think we're going to get into a uh, drop all of one thing in a day thing. Um, they Mandalorian was a huge success for that. And we'll talk about this at the end of the show. I'm sure. I mean, that is our post credit topic. Yes. Yes. Um, it was a huge success for that. And all of the other shows that, that were launch shows with Disney plus just cemented the fact that they, I would be highly surprised if we launched entire seasons in one day. I don't think it's, I don't think it's done anymore. Yeah, I, I think you're right, Stuart. I, I think they're not going to drop it all at the same time. I'm just saying that's our contingency if they do. That's, that's a, I think that's a good contingency because I I've, I would hate to get into a situation where we currently find ourselves where we have – how many seasons of television do we have to cover? Does it matter? What stuff? it does is right? it gets spread out and – yeah, it'll be fun to revisit or visit for the first time something I haven't watched yet. So, yeah. <laughs> and if you're revisiting something you haven't watched yet, that'll be really fun. Well, you know, that's one of those time travel paradoxes that I love so much. And so, yes. uh, especially when yes. I'm stuck in one myself. You know those are the worst kind. Yeah. yeah. So, so you want to talk of, about. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, do you want to talk about these episodes now? I do. I do. And so here's how we're going to approach this. We're going to just talk briefly about the episodes and just kind of the broad overview of the episodes. And then we're going to talk about some of the the topics that go along with those, especially like as far as this being kind of an arc in itself, uh, especially with the uh, alien family stuff. Um, and we'll talk about some of the the specifics of like character arcs and things like that afterwards. But uh, so we start with Last Rites, and this is the big battle episode. Last Rites is the episode where everyone goes to the construction site. Um, Carolina Carolina has convinced the team that they're to help her let her family leave instead of destroy them or whatever. But the Yorks and the Steins, they're working together to destroy the ship. And there's some fun stuff that happens in the middle there, with especially with the um, the church where they're all getting armed and getting onto the, these remote controlled vans that Alex is able to take over and send them and divert them away so that everyone can get to the construction site. But when everyone gets there, of course, you've got the pride, you've got the runaways and there's going to be a confrontation and there is the pride. Basically, I, I don't know if I would say they win the battle, but I think that they kind of do because they blow up the ship, the, the ship, it's it's this ET moment. It's the cocoon moment. The ship is going to go up and fly away and the family is going to escape the earth where they've been for thousands of years. And finally, uh, but the pride blows them up and it gets worse for Jonah, who this is his thing. This is the one thing that's been building up for Jonah since episode one. Uh, but Nico gets really mad because she knows he killed her sister and she kills him. And yeah, we get his dying words with an Australian accent. <laughs> and and that's basically last rites, but um, this is the episode that created a lot of questions for me because it almost seemed like Jonah was telling the truth. Like he just wants his family to escape, to leave and to fly well, away. Yeah. I mean, 
all bad guys or isn't it like all very good well-crafted bad guys believe their own story well-crafted bad guys yeah uh, a well-crafted villain is the hero of his own story yes um, exactly but it seems to me like it's not like he's trying to take over the world he really is just trying to rescue his family now maybe later on we're going to find out these aliens do want to take over the world but they've been down there for a few thousand years and it sounds like and seems like that Jonah was telling the truth. He's dead now. <laughs> so that's an issue. Uh, and Nico killed him. So uh, that's an issue. That is definitely an issue. You want to go on to the next one? We can, unless Past you have life. anything like just in general about this episode. I This episode to me, I, I call it the big battle episode, but this is, if you, uh, if you ever diagram a Shakespearean play, yeah, your uh, third act, that mm-hmm. middle act is the highest of the rising action. And then the mm-hmm. fourth and fifth acts are on the decline. This feels like that. And, and what, this is episode seven of 13, right? So this feels like I don't know if you if you recognize this turn of phrase or not. This feels like the mid season or mid episode twist. Yes, uh, it, it, it absolutely does feel like that. Well, I mean, it definitely put, you know, the, the whole term rising action definitely pushes forward the action. And, and where do we go from here? And the whole, like you said, the whole, from season one, episode one, the whole story is getting them onto this ship and having it fly away. And we stopped that. Not only do we stop that, the guy who was driving that is dead. Right. Is dead. Now, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, so now what? So, so now like, you know, it is about mid season. It's about the mid of the season. What's going to happen for the rest of the season? Yeah. And as I'm watching this, I don't know. I will say this episode, I I mentioned cocoon, you know, and, and this, this does feel like that where you have this brightly colored spaceship. You have these weird shapes floating around in there. There's weird noises and it feels like an eighties alien movie where, this is the the climax of the movie, and they finally they're escaping, they're leaving, they're going home. Uh, One, except one hundred percent less Steve Gutenberg, though. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, I, I think that uh, you're using that word pretty loosely, but um, <laughs> oh, Steve Gutenberg, he was hey. all over the place for a little while. So, Police Academy and Short Circuit. Were two of my childhood movies. Not Police Academy One because that one was rated R and I couldn't watch that for a long time. But definitely Police Academy Two through whatever. And Short Circuit Two, he was not in, right? I think he was oh. just in the first one. <laughs> Short Circuit. I think you're right. So, so <laughs> we have talked okay. more about Steve Gutenberg in the last uh, two minutes here than I ever hope to have a conversation about him again. So. <laughs> Every time I use my snowblower, though, I, I think of I think of a Steve Gutenberg movie. Oh man! <laughs> All right, derailed. Okay, next episode. So next episode is past life, and let's actually park here for a moment. Here, this is we get Jonah's origin story and the church's origin story. Yes, we get yes. a glimpse into 1932. 
where there's a tent meeting to praise the light that pierces the darkness and a sick kid gets healed while light pulses with power. And then in 1957, uh, a guy named Dr. Jonah, uh, who's a specialist from Melbourne, investigates a very Whoa. sick man. Yeah. And so we have the linkage there. That Australian accent is because whoever the alien is, he's he's body hopping. Right. And... So then in 1979, we get a very 70s Jonah who comes into a room where he finds David Eller, and it's very 70s, this whole thing, the 70s new age kind of thing. Um, and David Eller finds out all his new age teachings are true, and he recognizes that he sees the first ultra. And this is where Dr. – or not Dr. Jonah, just regular Jonah uh, meets Leslie for the first time, and this is kind of the church's origin as well. So this is kind of cool. I mean, whenever we see the MCU in the past, it's always kind of fun. Yeah. Like right now, um, isn't Sam Stan Lee driving past a, a, a nuclear war site saying make love, not war. Yeah. Around that time. Or and then around that time, you know, 1932, Steve Rogers, elementary school, you know, he's, yeah. he's, um, the, he's, so it's kind of beat up. <laughs> fun to think about what's going on in the MCU during this time. We're not really getting, you know, real insightful uh, looks no. into the MCU, but that's not what this episode is for. Uh, but it is kind of fun. We're here. We're, we're going into the past. I think it's interesting that we see Jonah's origin story after he dies. Yes. So Jonah's story is done. And yet I was not expecting to see uh, Dr. Doom show up in this episode. <laughs> which the reason I say that for those of you who don't know, he, he played Dr. Doom. So it's a thing. No, that, that is also in the fantastic four. Yes. Yeah. What, what I liked about this episode was that the Dr. Jonah was a genuinely nice guy, right? Mm -hmm. He was the only guy who came in and talked to, um, the, the dying, uh, tent revivalist guy. Yeah. It, who says, guy. he says, uh, you're a very brave man for coming here, for coming yeah. back here, you know, cause he's got this disease, whatever it might be, um, some sort of flu or something like that. Who knows? But yeah. it's also interesting that they talk about how the technology is not right yet, right. you know? And so that technology, I think he's talking about what's causing him to have to body hop is not he, – he can't do anything about it yet to, to like just heal the body. He has to change the bodies because in the present day, that's what he's doing when they're doing the kidnapping of the runaways is they're rejuvenating his body mm -hmm. instead of having to find a new body for him to take over. Right. And so the Jonah guy is actually – not an evil mustache twirling guy. He's actually nice. Right. And that's a really cool juxtaposition against him later on when he's mustache twirling and, you know, but even mean. then, I mean, I haven't seen the end of the season yet. And so, uh, I think you have, right. I have. Okay. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to say something that may or may not have any basis in reality, but I feel a lot more, interest in Jonah knowing that he's not just he's doing bad things and he's manipulating people to his own ends but his own ends are 
not just for power, not just for based on what I'm seeing here. Um, he is trying to survive through the centuries so that he can just help his people. And yes, people are dying and yes, he's stealing and yes, he's lying and yes, he's you know manipulating, but he's also doing this for a noble reason. It's still wrong. I'm saying that if you are out there right now, listener, and you are planning to do this stuff to save your your, your civilization, you know, find a different way, find a more noble way to do it. I I, I beg of you to find a more noble way to do it. Um, but he's a this is a working villain for me, who has a very understandable motivation. Yeah, absolutely. And like we just said, you know, a, a the villain is the hero of their own story. You could twist this a little bit, you know, twist the story like the What If series that's coming. You could twist it a little bit and it would be a very noble story of people just trying to get home. You know, we're going to gloss over that killing part of things. But, you know, imagine if you were a bunch of aliens or – Imagine if you got sent back in time or to a planet that didn't have technology, what would you do to survive? Yeah. You know, you don't want to die, but what would you do to survive? That's what they did. So I agree with you. I also like to see, I also like that the, the main guy, the alien that's inhabiting Jonah is really different than the actual Jonah person yes. that grew up as in Melbourne. And that's pretty cool. Agreed. To see. Yeah. Okay. So this episode is kind of the aftermath then of everything that just mm -hmm. happened. Cause it was a big deal that just happened. And it's also a heist episode, which is kind of fun. Um, I mean, the, the runaways now are really going to work hard to uh, get prove that Darius is innocent because Darius is now taking the fall for a murder, the murder that the runaways were supposed to have committed mm -hmm. and, and Darius is dead. Uh, but in his death, he's, he's taking the fall. And, and so you've got, um, there's just lots of crazy stuff going on. There's a drive-by attempting to kill Liv, who was Darius's sister-in-law. Um, this is not good. Uh, Pride. In broad daylight in, in front of a, a hospital. hospital. Yeah, in front of a hospital. Like, and she's carrying a baby. Or no, her, her, her yeah. uh, sister-in-law is carrying a baby. Yeah. I'm not a really smart guy when it comes to drive-by shootings, but I don't think in broad daylight in front of a hospital is like number one. Yeah. Ideal place. And it's bad because the shooter's a cop. His, his, right. The dude's name is AWOL, worse. which I love his name. But right. Yeah, this is bad. Uh, the pride is breaking apart. They don't need to be together anymore because Jonah is gone. And now they're just going to focus in on their kids. And that's mm -hmm. great. Um, but then you've got Flores, who's upset because he's not going to have work anymore if they break up he likes envelopes he does so like the envelopes if i were pride i would just give him a bunch of envelopes with like cardboard stuffed in it or something like that mm -hmm. that's what i would do just give him envelopes i mean that's what the guy wants right right yeah i just like envelopes 
<laughs> okay. It's a little Staples, weird. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Everyone collects something, though, you know? <laughs> so. <laughs> You're right. Uh, but the Runaways, well, I... for them, the uh, the primary bulk of this episode goes into this heist where they're going to go into the penthouse of a hotel and where the security system is hardwired so they can get photographic evidence that someone killed Darius, you know, and, and, and who it was, and they're going to find out what's going on. Um, they all they go, going, they're going to draw on their past lives experience. That'll, that'll work. Did that'll, you see what I did I, there? I, I did. I did. Yeah. Yeah. That's very nice. I'm going to uh, write some. <laughs> So Carolina leaves because speaking of past lives, she wants to find out more about her dad. She goes to the church, goes to her dad's office, finds a, was it a CD? I think that has uh, information on it. And it's a recording from her dad to her. She hears a little bit about him and he says he made all these sacrifices so I could stay in this form as your father. Um, and then meanwhile, back at the hotel, it works. They're able to look and see, um, but they also get caught. But there's some shenanigans. We'll talk about the shenanigans, but there's some fun shenanigans that go on during this. Um, the I, I say it works, but they're, they they weren't able to find it here at the hotel. I forgot. Sorry, because uh, it was deleted from the hotel. But they're able to get um, stuff from across the across the way from another security camera. Anyway, um, they have to run and Molly gets caught. And that's not good. I almost think Molly got caught, maybe not on purpose, but definitely she, she got caught, she got caught because of plot, but also she was the best one to get caught. Yeah, well, she got caught because she stopped and was going to fight right. them, but then they kind of tase her and yeah. Yeah. But it uh, worked for her. It did. It did work for her. Um, so, yeah. So this is where Alex finds out it wasn't his dad who killed Darius. It was his mom who killed what? Darius. Yeah, that was quite a revelation for him. Um, but this whole episode is this kind of fun. They're working as a team, uh, even as they're arguing. So here you're getting a lot of arguing with, uh, Gert and Chase cause Gert wants to go to college. And Chase likes chocolate and Chase likes to cover things in chocolate, like college applications. <laughs> mm, tasty. Yeah. But let's talk about the cover story. Because people come into the room and Chase and Gert jump into so quickly, jump into a cover story that's so funny and yet so ridiculous. It's their honeymoon. They're already talking about divorce. Yeah. Uh, as they're having their argument in front of the, the people, the hotel workers, but – <laughs> would you be that quick on your feet no no but this is fun <laughs> this is fun and uh yes. yeah this is their honeymoon suite they got there early and the lady's so apologetic <laughs> and 
it's it's fun, it's funny, and Liv is also with them. This is the other thing. Um, Liv came with them, so she's kind of being let into the group somewhat, mm-hmm. and that's that's nice. But um, we'll talk a little bit more about Alex later on. Uh, but yeah. but yeah, this is this is the heist episode, and and uh, it's always fun, uh, you know, a good heist. And I Leverage is one of my favorite shows, and this reminds me of Leverage. I don't know there, any heist movie. There's show. something very satisfying about watching a heist movie or a heist episode or whatever when things go so smoothly. There's just something so satisfying and yeah. fun about that until you get to the point where things go wrong and then it's a different kind of fun, you know, right. and, and it always happens. And then sometimes there's a twist at the end, especially like with the oceans movie where mm-hmm. there's a twist at the end that all the stuff that went wrong was actually all according to plan. What? Yeah. And so they're still getting what they want, even though it's not what they were actually looking like they were setting out to get. And a good heist film is very much a, a fun, entertaining experience. A bad one, as long as the characters are fun, still works. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, not as satisfying. Yeah, yeah, that's true. This one shows that uh, what's interesting about this one is, yes, it's a heist movie and yes, it's fun and all that sort of stuff. But it just proves that the kids, the runaways are still kids. You know, they're still having to deal with a lot of their uh, juvenile, quote unquote, feelings and, and, and situational feelings. And where you or I might be able to put some stuff aside to focus on the mission, they're getting wrapped up in college applications and dipping them in chocolate and, you know, whether or not this sheets has the best thread counts and jumping on the beds and all that sort of stuff. And all that's pretty fun too. The question is, you know, would the X-Men be like this, you know, or would the Justice League be like this? No. No. So that's what makes this – the other thing is it's such a low stakes but high stakes situation. Like they're coming in and doing this just little mission, but it's all personal stakes that are involved. Personal is the right term because, yeah, I mean it's low stakes in that – in the grand scheme of the world, who cares who killed Darius? You know, Captain America is not going to swoop in and be like, well, Captain America he, probably would. If he found out about it, he might. He might. Um, Tony Stark probably wouldn't, though. Uh, well, if he got guilted into it, he might. <laughs> yeah, he'd have to get guilted into it by not uh, – Luke Cage's arch nemesis. Um, but yeah, so, but the point is it's not a big, it's not a world shattering thing, right? It's their small little problem. It's street level problem. Um, but it's still a big deal. And the show makes a really good effort and attempt at showing these smaller stories. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about big shot. So big shot is a kind of, I call it a turning point episode because there's a lot of shifting happening in this episode. Last episode was a, um, it was, you know, the aftermath of all this big stuff happening. This is a kind of where just the, the groundwork is being laid for some shifts that are going to happen because of the previous episodes. 
So Tina, she's acting strange with the cake. Stacy is acting strange by taking off her glasses and not working with Dale as a team. Victor starts acting strange. He's being really nice and messy. And, you know, so that, that turns into a little episode there for he and his, his wife. Uh, people start making power plays against AWOL. And so this is Flores. This is Alex. Uh, so AWOL decides, you know what? I'm going to make a power play against everyone. And so he does his power play against Flores and he gets pride on his side and he kidnaps Livy because Alex has made a plan to get AWOL to be on their side and it doesn't go well. And he's embarrassed. Uh, he made AWOL look bad and AWOL doesn't like this. So he kidnaps Livy to go after the kids to get pride to keep him on their side. And this is also betraying Alex and it's betraying, uh, I can't remember Livy's Livy's sister tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, Alex and her both made a deal with, with a wall and a wall goes a wall on the deal. Also, Gert and lace have a kind of ET thing going on. Yeah. To, this is the start of something for Alex that we're going to talk about in, in a little bit. Yeah. Um, and it's the start of that. So just remember that. Yeah. And I don't know if that's the start of it, but this is where it really is shining through and the consequences yes. start and the consequences yes. start. Yeah. Maybe a better way to put it is this is the first time it goes very bad for him. And I mean, I guess I can sort of tease it a little bit more. Um, well, let's just go there. Let's just go there. Okay. Fine. He's he's sort of setting up to be like this natural leader, like a Nate Ford or a Danny Ocean um, it, guy who has this all put together. Who was it in the A team? Hannibal who was like the Hannibal. Okay, so he's like that guy, except not really. <laughs> and he's not. He, he he's he's batting about fifty percent at this point. Um, so he's not very good at it. He likes to be very good at it, but he's not very good at it because let's be honest, he's a kid who doesn't have a lot of experience. He's the man with a plan, but he lies to his friends to get them to go along with the plan. Right. And then his plan isn't very good to begin with. And he'll, he'll, he'll create a plan, present it as his plan. And they say, that's a good plan. Let's do that plan. And then they start the plan and he's like, well, actually <laughs> the plan was this. And I just had you guys doing that plan to get you here. And, and then it's the whole restaurant thing where AWOL, his team, they come in and Alex is there and AWOL's like, what are you doing here? And clears out the restaurant, holds everyone at gunpoint. And then uh, Nico uses the staff to freeze them and get the, the team out. Um, but he lied and totally yeah. lied to get them to come to the place where AWOL was. This is not good leadership. No, this is bad leadership. Yeah. Yeah. And more, and, there's and, more to come. And really it's the lying to his team. Don't lie to your team. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> Keep them on the same page. It. Yeah. Yes. And if, and you know, he later in one of the episodes, he talks about not having a democracy anymore. Well, dude, you didn't really have one to begin with because you tried to be 
you know, the, the monolithic leader, you tried to be the leader to the group and you weren't doing very well at it. Yeah. Well, and then Livy comes at the end of the episode and tells everyone, Hey, this is what he was trying to do. Shouldn't listen to him. Uh, and that's not good. That Mm -mm. doesn't help anything on for him. It totally helps them to know what kind of person is trying to lead them. Um, right. But then Livy calls him out and says, you are acting like your parents. You are acting like your parents. And that is not a compliment Mm-mm. in this situation. <laughs> if you have good parents, great compliment. But in this situation, she is not calling him out for, you know, being, you know, altruistic or, you know, giving to charity or something like that. She's calling him out for manipulating and lying and getting well, his own way. And being thuggish, you know, because his parents are set up to be thugs. Yeah. And and he's trying to distance himself at all costs from that, when in reality he's just trying to – he ends up being like that. And so that's a, you know, that's a little life lesson there. Yeah. All right. Hostile Takeover, episode 10, is another one that kind of ends uh, – it ends on a good place for us to end, end what we're talking about with the episodes here. Um, but it also ends, uh, I could see a mid season finale with the ending of this episode. Anyway, Absolutely. this is a big confrontation episode. Um, Frank, who's been trying to take more control in the church, especially now that Jonah's gone, uh, Leslie's trying to just stop working with the church and shut the thing down. And he's like, wait, no, this I'm, I'm finally in a position of power. So he's he's making his power play. He, he's trying to confront, and they put Leslie into reconditioning, which I don't know what that's going to be, but we'll see in next episode. Um, AWOL brings Livy to the hotel. Livy is going along with everything AWOL is telling her to do because the baby is in danger. Like, you know, the, the her family is in danger. And so he's able to make her do what he wants her to do. They go to the hotel. The team uses their powers, uses their wits, but they aren't feeling like a team. They're acting like one pretty good, but they aren't feeling it. And so gate and old lace escape with chase and they're able to get the help that they need uh, by going to Dale and Stacy. And we find out that, uh, it was Stacy who sprayed, uh, old lace using a drone and, and that's what's causing Gert and Old Lace to have issues. Um, but it's this whole E.T. thing. Like I'm watching them, <laughs> totally reminded of Elliot and E.T. laying on the floor in the bathroom. And E.T.'s all ashy, you know. And, uh, and then you fall down the hole and get the plant. <laughs> Keep falling down the hole and getting the plant. <laughs> I don't care what anyone says. I loved that video game. I loved it unironically. I played it all the time. I loved that video game because it was a video game that had an ending. You could win the game. Pac-Man, I could win it by beating someone else's high score, but it just kept going and going and going. But on my Atari 2600, you pop in that ET cartridge. You could win. I don't know what you're talking about, Ben. All I did was fall down a hole and get a plant. You, you just didn't play it enough to figure out how to control yourself to get sure. out of the hole. <laughs> I loved watching the documentary about this, the, the game. That was a great documentary. But 
my problem with it is how everyone hates on the game and because everyone fell down a hole and got a plant, Ben. <laughs> That's why they hate the game. I loved it. I played I it all the time. I wish that documentary could have talked to you and you could have been like, no, this is what you do. And then you go, bloop, 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 bloop. There were, and... people, there were people who did appreciate the game on the documentary. Don't get me wrong. But, yeah. I mean, not to dive down too deep to that hole, but I remember the documentary talking about or something talking about how they were trying to design the game in a different way. And I got an appreciation for the game for sure. But... Also, the appreciation in the time that they made that game in. Right. Like yes. it was just a few months that, and they had a deadline and they did it. And I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> I will never not appreciate that game. And I wish that I could just fire up my old Atari because I still have it and I still have the games and I would play ET maybe first, second or third if I were to plug my Atari game or Atari unit back in. But I don't I have a converter to do it. So. It would also look very poor on a big, big TV. I have an old tube TV. <sighs> why have you not gotten? Oh, because Radio Shack doesn't exist. That's why you can't. <laughs> no. My, uh, the thing that plugs into the back is the two-prong thing that you would screw in your antenna. I. That's what I have for the Atari. I don't have the adapter that's the coax where it's it's the the round thing with the pin in the center. You're right, right. Oh wow. Yeah, that's what I'm missing. It's just a couple bucks, I'm sure, somewhere. <laughs> but anyway, Steve Gutenberg, ET video game. We've <laughs> and we're not done talking about ET probably, but anyway. No, uh, yes, they have this connection that I thought was really interesting. And um definitely a slow burn for it. And if, if all of the, I guess I'm, if all of the connection was that they both got sick, that'd be a, a pretty good story up to now. But I mean, come on, we're talking about a comic book show, right? So there's gotta be more to that connection than, than just them getting sick. What I like about it is that it starts out where she thinks they're losing their connection. Right. And it really it's it's that she doesn't have as much control because of the sickness, mm -hmm. whether it's causing her to not have control or whether it's causing it to not be able to respond well. But it turns out, no, their connection is so much deeper. What I found interesting was Dale dismissing Stacy. No, you poisoned our daughter. I don't know you. I don't want to be around you right now. I mean, and that's you probably deal with this a little bit more than than I've had to deal with other people do. I deal with it myself a little bit where the there's one part of the couple who's not acting like themselves anymore or who has um, some emotional instability and they're having to deal with things. And the one parent just says, puts the brakes on the relationship and says, no, I've got to protect my kid. That's pretty profound to see it on, on a TV show. Well, and the other th interesting thing is chase comes in and says, Hey, 
uh, here's some observations I have about your daughter and this and this dinosaur. And Stacy's like, you don't know anything about this. And and the truth is he does. You know, he's he's able to come in with some knowledge to the situation, but she does not accept him and does not accept that he could possibly have insight that might be valuable. And and that's right, also where Dale not- comes from is, hey, this makes sense. And and she's nope. <laughs> Nope. Yeah, and and Chase is like, I don't know what any of that means, but that and that are connected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And this is where and, you also get to see Gert's positive influence on him. You know, yes, like he's he's he cares about her, so that's good. He's learning from her. He's had conversations with her about intelligence, intelligent things that he's starting to understand and able to have an intelligent conversation with her about things that he would have never cared about before. It's, and it, he's also standing up to two things, standing up to obstacles for things that he cares about. Yeah. His arc has been a good one. Mm-hmm. It's been a good one. Uh, so meanwhile, a wall is out there with a bunch of cops uh, corrupt cops and they are surrounding the hotel. Nico uses her powers to protect them, but she's exerting herself in a way that she's never done before. Uh, they lure AWOL in uh, to the hotel and capture him and use him as bait because they're going to have a battle. Unfortunately, their secret weapon, <laughs> Nico, falls unconscious as they come in. Um, but she does use her power to send them away. And I haven't seen the next episode yet, but I'm really curious where they went and what kind of a stir it created because she sent their bodies away, but not their weapons and not their clothes. It's almost like she put on a gauntlet and snapped her fingers. Almost, but not quite, (laughs) but not quite, not quite. So, yeah, so they're they're safe-ish, but uh, people know where they are now. Yeah, I mean, they're safe from the immediate threat of a wall. I mean, are they safe? No, no. But they're safe from the immediate threat of a wall. They're they're safe for now. Yeah. Um. The other thing that's going on is remember about Victor and Tina. I'm not sure what's going on with Stacy, but Victor and Tina weren't acting like themselves. And when they are finally alone together, we, we find out what we were kind of wondering about when I saw those floating aliens in episode seven, I was wondering like, what's going on? Are they escaping? Where are they going? And of course, Jonah has been living his life, hopping from body to body. He's been, you know, we, we, we've seen this power that they have. And so we get the confirmation right here when they see each other. Are you Victor? No. Are you Tina? No. Ah, good. And they embrace, they are aliens. And we see Victor putting up a note around town, asking for other survivors to join them, which also feels like a good season finale or Mid-season finale. Mm-hmm. What does this mean for the new normal? Every episode, they're changing the new normal. I mean, really. That's true. That's true. 
I mean, and that's what this whole new serialized television type of thing does, is it changes the new normal pretty pretty consistently. Because otherwise, why are you going to keep coming back? Exactly. So we talked about Alex and how not to lead. Uh, we talked about Gert and Old Lace and the ET syndrome that they share. Uh, Gert and Chase and how they finally start communicating. And in my notes, communication is the key to a good relationship, and they are learning that. That's good. Uh, Nico, we didn't talk about her. She has a new relationship with her staff. Um, the staff. She talks about how the staff is kind of taking over and and not letting her be herself. And she gets Dr. Strange evil eyes with all the cracks around her eyes. Yes. When she uses the, the staff. Uh... What's the what's the actor's name? Mads, Mads, Mads Mickelson. Yeah, Mads Mickelson. Every movie he's got those weird eyes. I don't know what every movie, but he sure had them in Doctor Strange, and and in uh, um, Rogue One. Oh, it it wasn't necessarily like cracked around the eyes, but he did like he had like heavy mascara on or something like that. Well, anyway, something bad magically mm. <laughs> is occurring within um, – and and she's worried that the staff is, is taking over for her, taking you – know, well, penetrating you know, her life. Yeah, absolute power you know, corrupts absolutely, right? So she's having – she's wielding a lot of power. She is indeed. And we saw it in the – we saw it in the big screen too when Tony gets the, the – um, the gauntlet and snaps his finger. I mean, it kills him. Yeah. And, and this kind of thing. I should mentioned the spoiler thing now, but. <laughs> well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, spoiler. Also, Mr. Peanut died, by the way. So. Yeah. And I bring that up because they kept referring to Tony Stark as saying, the reason we did this was because we were really curious and interested in the whole idea of fictional characters dying and people's reaction to it and so that's part of why they killed mr peanut the other part of why they killed mr peanut was because of mandalorian which we'll talk about <laughs> but anyway. i have no idea what you're talking about yeah you know who mr peanut is planners guy yeah he, he's he, dead he died he died it oh. was a super bowl commercial promotional stunt well and I, I ruined Ben. I'm ruined. <laughs> and in all the okay. interviews that I, I read, a couple of different interviews with the people, the ad agency, and they kept talking about, uh, we would see things in social media where fictional characters have died, and we wanted to explore that and and work with that. And the one that they kept bringing up was how when Tony Stark died, people would, you know, go on social media and, and they're responding to this fictional character who has died in a way that it was as if someone had really died, you know? And so they thought, Hey, let's kill off Mr. Peanut. As, as evidenced by the fact that I literally didn't know what you were talking about. I think their ad worked really well. <laughs> if you're into, you, you know, pop culture and that kind of thing, this is a, it is an interesting thing. 
what makes it not as interesting and not as cool is that they release the commercial where he dies a week before the Super Bowl. Their Super Bowl commercial, it was his uh, funeral. And, you know, Mr. Clean is there. Kool-Aid Man is there. Wesley Snipes <laughs> is there. And Kool-Aid Man Wesley cries. Snipes? Why is Wesley Snipes there? <laughs> because he's been part of the promotion. He's He was in the commercial. Mr. Peanut died saving Wesley Snipes' life. Holy moly. Okay. Kool-Aid Man cries a single tear. It lands in the soil and a plant starts to grow and there's baby peanut. And, <laughs> and if you look at this baby, Mr. Peanut, clearly the one reason that they did this was because of baby Yoda. Oh my God. And gosh. so suddenly it goes from, <laughs> yeah, we're exploring pop culture and how people responded to like Tony Stark dying. And now we're and just, now we're just blatantly <laughs> just going for the lowest hanging fruit possible. What's popular? Baby Yoda. Let's do it. Let's get a baby peanut out there. Anyway. Again, as the as evidence of I didn't I have no idea what you're talking about. This this ad has really penetrated my house. <laughs> Let's talk about Nico. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, you're right. The the absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. She doesn't want to use the staff when she starts realizing what it's doing to her. She falls unconscious because of all the power that she's using. She hasn't done this, use the power that long, you know, but then as the AWOL and his crew are closing in uh, on the trapped, uh, it's Carolina and it's, it's Nico and it's Alex and they're, they're trapped and they're closing in on them. And she just wakes up and it's like horror movie stuff, you know, where she's laying on her back and she just rises up on her feet, you know, straight as a board, you know, and then yells, go away. And that's when the power, you know, her eyes do the thing. And, and it's this display of power that she is doing unconsciously or subconsciously. I'm not sure what word to use, but I'm going to use one of those, but you know, she was unconscious and she just wakes up and jumps right into this display of power. And I'm very interested in where this is going. Very interested. Well, it, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting story arc to, to, for sure to see. I, I feel like we've seen, something like i mean it's not a new concept right no no so not, not at all i mean this is this is the the one ring you know it's, it's that yeah kind of thing. yeah that sort of thing where you get sort of sucked in which is all an allegory for you know drug use or you know whatever getting addicted to something right and so that's um unfortunate that they have to do that but good that they're showing you if you're you know if you're strung out on the couch and watching this, then maybe something will click in your head. I hope, I don't know, but maybe, it's good. Maybe. That maybe it's good that they're showing that, you know, and, and having that character walk through some of these things. And there's Carolina who has lost everything. She mm -hmm. thought she had gained so much, especially in the relationship she has with Jonah. And when she realizes she has family and now, as far as she's concerned, they're all gone. It's all gone. Mm -hmm. And 
Nico did it. Nico killed her father. Like the, that's not a good way to begin a relationship, killing someone's father. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was Ben's relationship with, advice. <laughs> don't kill your intended's father. There was something else with Carolina that I was thinking about and I can't remember what it was now. Uh, she's more uh, comfortable with her powers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Hopefully I'll, hopefully I'll think about it. She's yeah. She's definitely more comfortable with her powers earlier in the season. They showed her and her dad floating above the, you know, Los Angeles skyline. And that's, she's getting to the point where she can actually control them much more. So, yeah, she's just straight up laser blasting with her hands. You know, I mean, this is, she's, she's using her powers intentionally and, uh, Alex's parents, we got some trust issues with them. You think? Oh. <laughs> Man. Well, like I said, they're, you know, they're, they're painting them as thugs for sure. And, and from the streets and, you know, rough around the edges and all that, who sort of pulled themselves up. And yet and- Jeffrey is still kind of honorable. Like I'm, you could almost see Jeffrey kind of coming out of this okay yeah. morally uh, the dude's ha- unhappy but he's trying to do the right thing by Darius's um I think wife I think they're married but he's trying to do the right thing by Tamara and she is obviously upset <laughs> and Duh, so basically yeah. says I'm gonna go to war with you but then uh chooses I'm going to I'm going to work with you. I'm going to let you know when the kids come, you know, and and then she enters into the uh deal with with AWOL. But you know, Darius, I mean, he's trying really hard. He he cares about his kid, but he, not Darius, Jeffrey. And and then Jeffrey has lost Darius and it was you know, he's in the middle of trying to actually do right by Darius. And and she kills him. She kills Darius. So that's that's a troubled marriage. Yes. <laughs> yes. That is a very troubled marriage. All, all of them are. <laughs> let's let's Yeah, let's just be honest. I don't think there's a good marriage in any of that. You know what? Murdering a bunch of teenagers will do that to a marriage. <laughs> that is the lesson from runaways. You just yes. you just said it. Well you just said it. I mean, even even Dale and Stacy aren't exactly on good footing, they probably had this most solid relationship of the couples. But now that Stacy's a little weird, you know, they're that's sort of crumbling too. Yeah. And he's, you know, Dale, you can see is, is confused and frustrated and Stacy, she's not doing anything wrong. She's just doing it different. Mm-hmm. And, and he doesn't know what to do with that. Um, the question I have is, is she infected it with an alien? Like, does she have an alien inside her as well? Because she doesn't need her glasses, you know? And she's like, well, why, why can't I can take off my glasses whenever I want? And he's all, well, no, you can't, you need them to see. And why aren't you? This is weird. Why are you being so nosy about my glasses? Go get me a snack. Okay. But well, and it's the other things like she I, – I don't think Stacy of the first season would be so quick to um, uh, kidnap Gert or harm Gert in any way. 
You know what I mean? She doesn't think she did though. She doesn't believe Chase that that she caused any harm to Gert. Yeah. And but here's the thing. Again, this is where I'm asking like is she infected? All three of them. Uh Tina with the cake, Victor with you know throwing things off of the lab table and and uh making love in the lab and um and Stacy with her glasses, they all have a moment where all of a sudden it's like, oh, what, what happened? You know, what's, what's going on? And then Stacy's mm-hmm. like, why don't I have my glasses? And Tina's like, I don't eat cake. <laughs> and, and Victor's like, well, this is stupid. Why would I mess up my lab? Um, and so that's why I'm, I'm curious what's going on with Stacy. If she's, if she's also one of the, the aliens now. And so well, we kind of got our, ourselves a little bit of Battlestar Galactica thing going on here. Who is the fourth Cylon? Yeah. We don't know either. Yeah. <laughs> and they didn't. No, oh, they man. didn't. We're not going to talk about Battlestar Galactica. We've we've, already, <laughs> we've done Steve Gutenberg. We've done E.T., the video game. Battlestar Galactica, we can save that for another day because I have opinions. And <laughs> it is interesting. I, I saw someone who was kind of doing a um, – uh, it was a commentary about s- different TV series and how the finale of a TV series can make or break whether or not you want to rewatch it or not. Mm-hmm. And it's true. I have not returned to lost, even though I wasn't like upset with the ending and kind of went along with it. I'm not going to rewatch lost to get to that ending again. Mm-hmm. And the same is true with Battlestar Galactica. I was all in on that show and I really oh, so enjoyed was I. it. And then it gets so to the end I. and it's just, Okay, it's an okay ending, but there, in fact, the finale actually was was really good. It was just all of the different wrap up things that went before the finale, that where they were like, you know, the Cylons they're coming and they have a plan, uh, and then they I've already said this before Don't really have a plan. Well, <laughs> literally in the television movie that they made afterward called The Plan. We find out that the plan that they're going to have to kill thousands and thousands of humans and destroy humanity, the plan to destroy humanity is this. We're going to destroy humanity. (laughs) That's that's the plan. And that is not satisfying to me. (laughs) (laughs) Don't watch the end of Game of Thrones then. Just don't do that. I'm not not going there. I haven't haven't watched any of it anyway. So, Well, save yourself. Anyway, I won't watch the end of Lost either. I won't go back through Lost. I can't. When I was watching Lost, I was thinking to myself, man, I can't wait in a couple of years to do a rewatch. And then I got to the end and it's like, I don't think that's ever going to happen. <laughs> and not so dead. far, They're I've not. been right. <laughs> I'm not going to ever They're not watch dead. It. They're not dead. Oh, man. They're not, oh yeah. Well, I guess they're kind of dead. <laughs> Uh, Frank and Leslie, we talked about them a little bit already. Um, <laughs> I've slowly had the realization come that, uh, the, the actress playing Leslie is expecting at this point. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's been kind of fun and funny. They're doing it the Scully way, uh, or par- partially the Scully way where they're pr- covering her causing her to stand in certain positions that you wouldn't normally in real life. Um, 
they are positioning her uh, with what I'm calling puppet stage positioning where <laughs> there's, yeah. there's this puppet stage in front of her and she's standing up behind it. Um, but there's two ways to go. Well, three, I guess three ways to go. If your actress is expecting a baby, one is write her out until the baby comes and then bring her back in. Another is cover it, pretend it's not there and, and just hope nobody notices. And then the other is write it into the show. And mm -hmm. I, I can totally see why they are not writing it into the show because let's face it, that there's already so much going on <laughs> to throw a baby in, especially like whose baby would it be? Jonah's, you know, I mean, the, this well, is the way to go. What happened was, this what happened was her and Kira Norris ah, were on a... <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> they did both with her. They hit it and then they embraced it. It was uh, O'Brien's baby. Yeah, it was O'Brien's baby. And so they had no, to take wait, the baby from Kiko and put it in. Uh, and for some reason, um, Kira had to, had to carry the baby. Because I think she was the only one there. I think that's it because she's not human. So right. not necessarily the best choice, but yeah, it was a medical they, emergency and that was the only way to go. But I remember the show actually dealing with it for more than just one episode. They did. That was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, uh, they spent a few episodes hiding it. And then they, when they got to a point where I think maybe it was just too difficult to hide, they, they did that plot element, which it's sci-fi, you know, you can do that yeah. plot element and, and it'll work. All right. Flores and a wall. A wall has killed Flores and a walls now a wall. And, and a wall is also now uh top bad guy. I don't know, but I did not expect this. I did not expect him to make the power play and, I didn't expect him to, I mean, this is, if Alex is actually a good guy, which right now he still is in my mind, uh, but we got some good arch enemy stuff going on here. Yeah. yeah. They have reason to not like each other. And yeah, I you know plantains can get between men. That's true. <laughs> Don't know about that, but <laughs> apparently that restaurant had really good ones. So yeah. I've never had plantains, have you? No. Okay. No, and I, I doubt that I would ever – if they were put in front of me, I probably still wouldn't. <laughs> I'm a picky eater, All right. you know? It's Are you just, really? I am very I picky. Yeah, very, very. Very picky or distinguished taste. I don't know. Maybe that's it. Um, I don't like certain tastes and I really don't like certain textures. So mm. We're learning all sorts of stuff about Ben tonight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, we could talk more about the aliens, but I think we're going to find out more about them in the next few episodes. And yeah, that is, that is these four episodes. We are going to talk about the Mandalorian after the credits, mm -hmm. but for now, uh, I want to thank everyone for listening. Thank you for, um, being patient with us. We appreciate that. Yes. Thank you for sticking with us. If you have stuck with yes. us, if you have not stuck with us, then you're not listening. Thank you anyway. for listening. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But so. also, 
Yes, definitely. I, I have been a podcast listener for a long time and it is very difficult to go back to podcasts after they have a hiatus. So if you're still here with us, I applaud you, sirs and ladies. Yeah. Yeah. So you excited about the Mandalorian? Ready to talk about it? Yes. You're excited? Yes. Are you sure? You're, you're sounding Ooh. a little too excited. In fact, could you tone it down a little bit, man? Could you be like 60% less chipper? Thanks once more for listening. You've heard us. Now we'd love to hear from you. Just go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback to contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five level 7 You can also join the conversation by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash welcometolevel7, or by following us on Twitter where we are level7pod. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, Godspeed. I'm sorry. I didn't realize that's what you were doing. <laughs> no, the deadpan re- delivery makes it nice, I think. All right. Let's, <clears throat> let's do this. Let's talk about the Mandalorian, my friend. Did yes. you like the Mandalorian? Oh my heavens. I loved it. I thought it every Friday I would get home and I'd watch the Mandalorian and the imaginary story. And it was a toss up with which one I watched first. Uh, we're not, we're not going to get too deep into spoilers without a spoiler warning. So, um, in fact, I'm going to say right now, we're not going to spoil right now. No, uh, we're not going to spoil it. Yeah. But, um, I also did that. There's a while there when I would watch it first by myself and then turn around and watch it with my kids. Mm-hmm. And I hit a point where I just stopped doing that. And me and my kids just jumped into it. If it was safe, um, there was some violence, uh, but it was fantasy violence, you know, and a lot of it was off screen or bloodless. Um, mm-hmm. Very star Wars fantasy violence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, although, <laughs> There were some moments where you're like, wait, did he just totally, yep, he just disintegrated people. Like, they're just gone. Um, yeah. But, and some of those people deserved it. <laughs> some of them, some of them, some of them, you're like, oh man, that was, I imagine that the life that they live, they probably did deserve it. But that was really harsh. If all we know about how bad this person is and what they just did right now, mm-hmm. like, that's not that bad. <laughs> but, <laughs> but maybe they lived a life where they did deserve. I don't know. But yeah, uh, I loved it because it was so star Wars. Oh yeah. But it was also so it was spaghetti Western, you know, you don't have to replace much and you can just put this into the old West with Clint Eastwood and John Wayne. And there's very, which his, was it his grandson or his son? Something, one of those, or was, nephew, or something, but a relationship to John Wayne walked around in the Mando suit when Pedro Pascal could not. There was almost a full episode where he was not yeah. on set. 
like it was this yeah. other guy, the stunt man. But, um, but it's so, I mean, it was so easily just a Western and every episode was a different style of Western. So you have a heist, mm-hmm. you know, you have a prison break and you have like just these really, uh, there's, there's a train robbery kind of, you know, I mean, there's, there's all these different elements that could, that just felt like these other movies and other things that I like so much as well. I just, the soundtrack, I love oh. the soundtrack so much. In fact, if you go on Spotify, I've mm-hmm. got a, I've got a playlist on Spotify. That's all, they released a soundtrack for every episode. They did. And title has this had was able to find it. And I would, listen to it on repeat over and over again. Yeah. So I, I made a, a playlist. It's my playlist with the most followers. I have 20 followers on that playlist. I think. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It beats my legend movie playlist, <laughs> which has only like 10 followers, but that's probably for the best. But anyway, um, it, it was so, it was so spaghetti Western. Yes. But it was so rich in star Wars lore and star Wars, you know, there's little things that even like huge Star Wars fans were like, oh, my gosh, what's that? You know, good. Yeah. The the one complaint I would have is just kind of the fan service thing where even at the end, after watching through the whole series, I felt like this feels like a role playing campaign, like the old. <laughs> The old West, it's like someone had the old West End games, uh, role playing game, Star Wars role playing game. Yeah. That has like all the different character types from different aliens in the movies and all the different weapons from the movies and a couple extra things that are kind of new, but it's mostly the stuff from the movies. So it's not IG 88, but you're using the IG 88 template from the role playing game in the game master, uh, a supplement book, you know, and, and so it just, it felt like that kind of thing. Now, unlike the, tr- the prequel to trilogy where, because a lot of things were coming up, like, like Anakin creating C-3PO that just made the universe feel smaller. It mm-hmm. didn't make it feel smaller in the same way because they were types that they were using, mm-hmm. you know? And so you're seeing R5-D5 in the background or, or a similar droid, but it's not, the same guy and it's not IG 88. It's another IG model. Then it makes sense because it's an, it's a bounty hunter droid, you know, mm-hmm. going out and doing bounty hunter things. And, but then you have the Mandalorian culture, which is not a new culture to star Wars because you have it in the clone wars and in rebels, but mm-hmm. it is new. Like this is something different. And I love the way they show and don't tell. Like, oh, there's so much showing and not telling, and it leaves you wanting more. And you realize that this guy hasn't he hasn't taken off his mask. And I don't want to get too much into that because I'm not I'm not going to. But you realize that he hasn't, and you're like, this is Pedro Pascal. I know what this guy looks like. Like, why I haven't don't. I seen? I didn't, but I didn't watch Game of Thrones. Well, okay, so. Ben, the one guy who didn't watch Game of Thrones, doesn't know what Pedro Pascal looks like. But everybody else on the planet did. And it why aren't they showing him? Mainly because John Wayne's kid was walking around in the in the <laughs> suit. But I think that was just happy coincidence that they 
the scheduling didn't work mm-hmm. and they created a character yeah. that doesn't take off the helmet. And it's like, Hey, right. We actually don't need what? Pedro. We can do this without right. him. <laughs> right. Um, the other thing I found really interesting and I only realized this after the fact, cause it's slowly leaking out is that they were using real time game engine technology. This, this to- is crazy. This is crazy balls. They re- okay, so you're taking like an Unreal g- video game and you're extending the backgrounds in the video game. So in the camera, you see the Mandalorian walking around and you look in the camera and he's walking in front of Moss Eisley. Like that's in nuts. And the camera that's moves nuts. and the background moves with it. And yes. they're doing it in this kind of cool green screeny dome thing. It's mm-hmm. filmmaking of the future and they, we've been building Today. up to this. I didn't realize this. I thought they were on location for a lot of this stuff. There is some right. stuff where you could say, oh, it's probably green screen because he's flying, you know, with, <laughs> but, um, you know, in a spaceship, you know, but <laughs> um, do you remember back to Battlestar Galactica, actually, uh, where they did that one prequel movie that was about Adama before the war or during the war? chrome and blood or something like yeah, that yeah mm-hmm. and the whole thing was virtual sets green screen technology mm-hmm. and you can kind of tell you know as you're watching it you're just like ah there's something off uh and there was a reason they didn't do more of them is because it just wasn't mm-hmm. wasn't the best thing in the world and there's other things that went along with that like how they were releasing 10 minute episodes on like um machinima or whatever it is and just different things yeah. like that but um, they tried this, watch that. They tried the same thing with uh, oh, I can't remember. There's another sci-fi show that they did that with as well, and and it was just like we're gonna just do green screen and we don't we can just create every technology every uh, setting that we're gonna be in. This is kind of the f- final and best progression of that, where you're able to see in the camera what it looks like instead of. You know, like episode one, where just everything was green, they film it, and then they populate it later. And what an amazing uh, just turn of technology. Maybe not a leap of technology, but a turn of technology. It, I mean, I hate to do it like this because it, it almost feels like it takes away from the accomplishment of that. But it makes me excited to see what's next. Like if we've come up with this ability to look through a device and actually see in real time, in real time, what does it look like? What does he look like? Yeah. It's just, yeah. What are we going to do in 10 years? Like in 10 years, they're going to be like, Oh, we, we just, I I don't, I can't even think of it. Right. So it's really exciting. And it makes me super excited. Let's bring this back to the MCU for Falcon and winter soldier and WandaVision. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine what this technology applied to WandaVision is going to do? Don't know. Oh. We'll see. Because I don't even uh, – have you seen the preview? The the game? The, the Super Bowl one preview? On the Super Bowl, yeah, yeah. yeah, that has like three seconds of anything in it. Yeah. yeah. The, they go fast though. Like it's three mm-hmm. seconds, but it's like 20 <laughs> shots. Kind yeah. Of. yeah. Uh, all of that WandaVision stuff, it just – I don't know what we're, we're in for with that. You know, I mean, I've heard them talk about it. I've heard them talk about, you know, different varieties of sitcoms and stuff like that, that kind of roll out into what then feels like an MCU movie. Um, 
that's what Paul Bettany's been talking about. Mm-hmm. But there's there's going to be, I think, some pretty mind twisting, mind warping kind of stuff going on, um, leading into then uh, the Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness or whatever it's called. Yeah. So. It's going to be interesting to see what those shows do to the MCU moving forward. Here's the thing. This is I actually just had this conversation this this uh, this evening with someone else. <laughs> the one problem is that there's no Baby Yoda. <laughs> In what? Falcon and Winter Soldier don't have a Baby Yoda that you know of. That's true. But you know that they're looking at everything and say, okay, people got Disney Plus for The Mandalorian before they knew about Baby Yoda. And then Baby Yoda shows up. And everyone's talking about Baby Yoda, even people who don't have Disney Plus. People are getting Disney Plus for Baby Yoda. They drop it after The Mandalorian. Not a bad strategy. Don't get me wrong. But they drop it after Mandalorian is done because no more Baby Yoda. My, they have to be looking at all the stuff coming that's going to be new from Disney Plus and saying, "Where's our baby Yoda? Like what? What's in this show? That's going to be like is a problem. It is a problem. It is. Yeah, I I had people come up to me afterwards and be like, "I just saw the new Star Wars movie. Where where was baby Yoda?" And I was like, "Oh no no, (laughs) give me your eight ninety nine now." Yeah yeah. So anyway, Disney Plus has some really great stuff coming that people are excited about, but the uh, I don't know how to say it. I don't want to say the common people, but I guess let's go with that. The common people who are not we. Yeah, who aren't like into every moment, but who are just enjoying, you know, the things as they come because it's fun. They're not going to be as interested. I think like when Kenobi comes and there's no baby Yoda. (laughs) So, well, you got to think that the, the higher ups at Disney are going, we understand that baby Yoda can't be reproduced, but what can we do to keep audiences? I guess here's, here's where I'm coming from with baby Yoda. There's nowhere to go but down because Mm -hmm. they reach such a pop culture height with that, that anything that comes after is not going to reach that point. Is that a bad thing? No. If it's good, if it's fun, if it's well made, we're still going still going to be happy that we have Disney Plus, and I'm loving Disney Plus still. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched Rebels. My son and I are doing Clone Wars. My son and I have gone through a bunch of X Men cartoons. We did the entirety of um, the most recent X-Men cartoon. And now we're going through X-Men evolution. We did a couple seasons of uh, the nineties X-Men. You know, my son, my nine year old son has a favorite X-Men character, you know, because, and it was beast. And then it was, now it's nightcrawler. Um, but it's because of this, this, this Disney plus. I watched the old um, Davy Crockett movies. On Disney Plus. Ooh, I need to get to that. We watched Tony I Shrunk the Kids. That was fun Honey together. You know, I uh, we've watched a couple episodes of the new DuckTales, which <gasps> that's, I love the new that's DuckTales. Pretty good. 
Um, it is wonderful. Honestly, though, the, the height has been the Mandalorian and Rebels also. Mm-hmm. Rebels, Rebels is, is very fantastic. good. Very good. Yes. And it ends really well. Yes. Like that was a I surprising have not ending. Finished it yet? Well, I, good thing we're not spoiling. But. Yes, no spoiling. But it, yes, you're right. Where are they going to do? You know, is there going to be a Baby Yoda thing in Falcon and Winter Soldier? And if it is, if they do put one in there, is it going to feel organic? And is it going to feel special? Because the thing that Baby Yoda did. They, you know, they they missed like two point eight million dollars or something like that and lost revenue because they didn't have merchandise for Baby Yoda in the parks when that show came out. So, but because of that, they didn't realize it was a money making device. They just realized it was a great storytelling feature. That's what I love so much about baby Yoda in general mm-hmm. is that first of all, it was an important part of the story. It was not a gimmick. Mm-mm. I mean, you can make the case. Sure. Maybe I'm, I'm overstating that it wasn't a gimmick and, and generally speaking, maybe you could say it was, but they kept it a secret. It was a part of the story that if you were not surprised by it, uh, I feel bad for you. Because I was able to, for the first time in a long time, be genuinely surprised by something because it came out of nowhere and yet it didn't. You know, sometimes things happen in a movie that you're surprised by, but you're like, it makes sense because that's where the movie felt like it was going or, you know, Chekhov's rifle or whatever it might be. I was genuinely surprised. I had no idea what this, what was going to be there. And when you finally see it, there was no way anyone could have guessed that that was going to happen. There's no way you could have guessed that that's what the 50-year-old bounty was going to be. Well, and then it grew, right? And I'm not getting into too many spoilers, but it wasn't just like, okay, maybe it is here. Now he's done. We don't don't ever see him again. He's – an integral part of that show. And so you have this fun show that mm-hmm. has baby Yoda with all the memes that go along with it, you know? Um, but to me, this was one of the finest hours of sci-fi storytelling because I was able to be surprised by it. There were no leaks that I was aware of. So every episode that I watched was completely new to me. I had no idea where it was going. And it just, it was a, not a new experience, but it was a refreshing experience for storytelling. Yeah. And then I also sort of took a page out of, out of your book and talking about spoilers as I didn't look for anything, right? I didn't look for any behind the scenes stuff, but even if I had, I'm not sure it was out there. You know, they kept it really tight-lipped. And John Favreau has done a very good job of promoting it in such a way that it is for the we and the not we, and it works really well. Yep. So that's Mandalorian. Anything else you want to say about it? 
Yeah, season two comes out in October. Yeah. And my son is anxiously awaiting what's when's it coming? When is it coming? So I think it honestly, I think I heard that it comes before Falcon and Winter Soldier. I don't know. <laughs> Which don't is, care. I'm excited for both. Yeah. And we'll see. Alrighty. All right. Awesome. That's it. Uh We've got some other possible topics for post-credits, but I'm sure in the near future we're going to be talking about Picard. And I think we also won't need to talk a little bit about uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yes. So, yeah, I'm still working my way through that one. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I won't say anything more, but yes. it's a show. It is a definitely a, a show that I have very little backstory on. <laughs> <laughs> so – yeah. Okay, cool. Talk to you later, man. All right. Later.